Welcome to Your Calling, our podcast, the podcast for Evangel University. Evangel actually means good news, and we want to share good news with you about the incredible ways our alumni, students, and friends are changing the world. I'm your co-host, Hector Cruz, and I work in the University Advancement Office at Evangel University. And I'm the other co-host, Associate Athletic Director at Evangel for External Operations, Phil Dowden. Before introducing our guests today, we'd like to send out a thank you to AGCU for sponsoring this podcast. A free AGCU Loyalty Plus high interest checking account combines the convenience and functionality of a regular checking account with an interest rate that meets or exceeds most popular savings options. Talking interest rates as high as two and a half percent. Loyalty Plus comes with a free debit card, free online banking, no monthly service charges, and minimum balance requirements. Contact AGCU to learn more at agcu.org. I see some of our guests taking notes on that, so that means it's a good deal. Today, we're going to remember and talk about our 2021 Evangel Athletics Hall of Fame inductee, the late Dr. Robert Spence. Dr. Spence served Evangel University for 40 years from 1974 till he retired in 2014. At the time of his retirement, he was the longest tenured college president in the state of Missouri and second longest in the nation. That tenure and his impact on Evangel Athletics did not go unnoticed, not only, did, not only in the local and Springfield community, but nationally and globally. With the help of Athletic Director Dr. David Stair, Evangel saw multiple mission trips organized by the athletic department, oversee opportunities and service trips, including the football team traveling to China, Kazakhstan, and the baseball team to Mexico, and several teams to Guatemala. Among his many great achievements and highly significant for the Evangel Athletic Program, Dr. Spence developed the idea of adding football. Since that inaugural season in 1977, football has gained national attention as a highly competitive program. He also championed the reinstitution of men's and women's cross country, men's and women's golf, softball, and track and field. Numerous building projects were also completed during his tenure as well with the renovation of the baseball and softball fields, the completion of the baseball and softball field house. In total during his career, 14 projects were overseen by Dr. Spence that also included the Maybe Student Fitness Center, two residence halls, the Cantrell Student Union, and most recently, the Riggs Administration Building. Athletically, Evangel enjoyed success, capturing the 2002 NAI National Championship in men's basketball, the 1986 NCCAA National Championship in women's basketball, and advancing to two national semifinals in football, two NAI national semifinals in women's basketball, and individual champions in track and field. In October 2013, during homecoming, Evangel commemorated Spence's legacy as university president and revered spiritual leader by formally naming the chapel building the Robert H. Spence Chapel, our 2021 Hall of Famer, the late Dr. Robert Spence. Thanks, Phil. And uh, man, there's a lot there. As we've been preparing for this episode, the challenge has been, how do you take a 40-year career of someone like President Spence, as beloved as he was, who made a tremendous and extraordinary impact on so many people in so many ways and boil it down to one podcast episode. It's really laughable um, to try to do that. So no pressure guys. Uh, but as we looked at all that he did for Evangel Athletics, starting the football program was probably one of the most impactful initiatives that he led, not only for adding a sport, but the impact it had on the enrollment of Evangel and the future of Evangel and really just the, the character of the school. 
Um, so for this episode, we've invited three individuals who were there at the very beginning of the football program when it all started. John Spence, Rich Wood, and Ed McCabe are members of our beloved Originals, which is the name we use to describe our football players who played at Evangel or were part of the program from 1977 to 1984, the first seven years of the program. So guys, welcome to the podcast. Just to, get our, just to get our listeners oriented to who you are, um, so they know whose voice is whose, uh, well, let's start by with some simple introductions. Uh, share what years you played at Evangel, uh, what position you played, and what your major was. Rich, let's start with you. Thanks, Hector. It's uh, great to be with all of you guys. I attended Evangel, played there uh, 1979 through 1983, uh, played defensive back, which, uh, interestingly enough, before I came to Evangel, was the only position in the game of football that I'd never played. And um, then uh, I, my studies were in physical education and recreation and, um, and health education as well, and planned on, at the time, uh, teaching in high school and coaching football. Awesome. Ed? Yeah, my name is Ed McCabe. I um, attended Evangel from 1977 to 1981. I played football uh, the first three years I was there. I was a tight end, but I had bounced around to some other positions as well. And I was a physical education major. Cool. John? Uh, I'm John Spence. I uh, was at Evangel from 1983 to 1988. Uh, played on the 1984-85 and teams as a wide receiver. And uh, um, I graduated from Evangel with a social science education degree. That's awesome. So I love the perspective that the three of you are going to bring to this conversation. So um, going now to what's going on today, why don't you guys share uh, what careers you're doing now? So you all started with some form of education degree, probably planning to be teach and coach. And let's hear what you're doing now. What what the path the Lord took you on? Rich, let's start with you. Well, I uh, planned on, as I said, uh, going into high school education, uh, teaching and coaching at the high school level. And uh, the last, really the last year that I was there in 83, I truthfully had been running from a call of ministry on my life, a full-time ministry. And it wasn't until that more that time that I really surrendered and, and started pursuing that call. And subsequently, my wife and I have been in full-time ministry now for uh, 38 years. Wow. That's awesome. Ed? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting uh, how my life has, has progressed. Uh, you know, started out as a, as a teacher and a coach for a couple of years at a private school, First Assembly Christian School in Memphis, Tennessee, and then uh, just felt like that wasn't where I wanted to go and, and decided to need to get in, uh, in sales. A lot of people said they ought to try that. And so um, worked in uh, a couple of years with General Foods. And then my goal had always been to get into some kind of healthcare medical device uh, company. And so for the last 35 years, up until a year ago, I worked for uh, two large uh, multinational companies, one was CR Bard. And then the most recent one was uh, I spent 20 years working for Medtronic, which is the largest medical device company in the world. Um, and then I retired in October of last year. In the last year, I've been working on something that's really, you know, probably the funnest and most significant thing I think I've done. I'm the director of leadership development for a uh, home services company here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. It's about $100 million a year organization. But I think the culmination of my experiences 
in business and my desire to serve, you know, and and to, and to help uh, has led me here. So it's been very cool. Awesome, John. So uh, my journey actually began uh, in 1974 when our family moved to Springfield, and uh, and my father took on the role as the it was uh, selected to be the president, and um, it was. It was a couple of years, three years later, when, when it was announced, or two years later, when it was announced that that uh, football would begin, and and I started out actually my career at Evangel as a ball boy, and uh, moving up and up the ranks and and different plays. I always tell people that I've lived a career of a Swiss Army knife. Uh, things things opportunities came away. I've always been in education. I uh, told, <clears throat> told my students, I've been in the classroom since 1968. Uh, my folks thought it'd be a good idea for me to be in preschool for three days a week. And so, um, you know, thanks to Miss Davis's preschool in Spring Hill in Mobile, Alabama, uh, that's where I started my teaching career as a three-year-old. So, <laughs> uh, so it's, I, love it. uh, I'd, I'd have always found, you know, that I talk, I'm with students all the time about figuring out where they're supposed to be and my dad was instrumental as a model of the uh, of the shepherd, and as a shepherd leader, he he meshed the importance of of walking with God and taking care of your education. You know, he always he, he had a philosophy about you know you you do your best and then turn the rest of it over to the Lord to determine the outcomes. You've done your part. You can go to bed at night and know you've done your part doesn't mean it's not, it's, it's easy. And so, you know, trusting in God uh, through all these years and, and following his model, the Lord just opened up doors for me to teach in a school here and coach in a school here. And, and one thing led to another and the doors opened up for dream, which was to come to evangel in 98. And I got to coach under my offensive coordinator, Keith Bearfield, um, and had the opportunity to to do uh, to to raise up guys like you know Ed and Rich uh, who were so kind to me when I was a kid. You know now I'm on the other side of it, and a coach for a while, and now I I'm uh, on the team at Evangel, the Center for Student Success, where every day I'm coaching kids on their future to help them to complete and get their degrees and. And then there are people like us who get a degree in one area and then God leads them because they've allowed themselves to be uh, nimble in his hands. And so it's an adventure every day. <laughs> That's awesome. I let the record show I played at Evangel as well. And some would say my position stayed the ball boy the whole time. So um, I'm not ashamed <laughs> of it. I'm not ashamed of it. So, uh, John, going back to you, you were there at the very beginning. Um, and so can you tell us a little bit about how the football program came to existence? Sure. Um, now, granted, when it all happened, I was 12. And um, well, the memory I of a 12 year old, you, you can never question the memory of a 12 year old. They, it's, yeah. you know, solid. Well, you know, I mean, my, my dad's reputation for having an incredible memory is really a lot of fun. And I only watched him one time forget somebody's name. And that's a story for a whole nother time. But I, 
I look back on that. I still remember the newspaper and I remember my parents just being excited about we're going to start football at Evangel. And when we moved to Evangel in 1974 uh, and I found out they didn't have, a, I was like, well, do they have a football? Well, you know, where's football? And, and they were like, we don't have a program. And I was like, what kind of a college can this be? You know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I, I really was kind of at a loss with that. But then all of a sudden when it came and it was, it was, I think it's great to look at it and really dissect all the factors of when, when you step out in faith and something that you believe so strongly is important. There are certain things that were really critical uh, benchmarks. Number one, when, when they, when, when dad walked that idea out, he walked it out with, with Reverend uh, Thomas Zimmerman, who was the general superintendent. And he, he showed him how it could be effective. I mean, he, he laid out the data that gave it a, yes, it was going to be a risk. It would be a risk, but the, the opportunity to raise our enrollment, there was something tied to it. And, and it was true because in the springtime, all of a sudden we had an influx of people. Uh, and it wasn't just a bunch of guys who were athletes. It was, it was a population growth that led to the, the changing of our campus. Yeah. Um, you know, at that time we had Kraus Hall on the north end of campus. We had uh, Scott Hall and Spence Hall and Walther Hall on the south end of campus. And when football came, we started having to put people in hotel rooms. I mean, Ed could probably speak to that um, because he was there when it happened. It was crazy, lightning in a bottle. And um, the right coaching staff and the investment of time, uh, the media that went on with it. We had a, we had a television show that was, on, that was around the world. We took advantage of Christian television and an opportunity now granted – I hope that a lot of those tapes are buried, but every Sunday night, Ed, do you remember that show? <laughs> That's so true. They should never see the light of day. Yeah. Neil yeah. Escalon. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, there were two things that really helped with recruiting. Uh, Denny Duran, our first head coach, uh, again, here's somebody – you know, when God moves, he moves on, he moves on people's hearts. He moves in, in ways where people start to invest. He brought in, uh, you know, so many different people, but there were people who, who saw it. And uh, our first head coach, he was an evangelist and it was easy for him to recruit because all summer long he was in youth camps and, yeah. and bringing kids in. And a lot of kids, you know, Rich is one of them. Mm -hmm. um, a bunch of those guys were guys that he had connected with when they were in high school. And yeah. who would you, I mean, he's the kind of guy that, that unfortunately I never got to play for him because he, he left the, my senior year in high school, but he was somebody I really wanted to. Well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you bring that up. Cause that was going to be my next question for Ed and Rich. What, how'd you guys hear about Evangel and, and what made you ultimately decide to come to Evangel, a brand new football program? Hey, could I just add something to what John said? And I'll oh, let yeah. Rich you know, tell a story because I think there's something really, really important here that John is alluding to. The selection of President Spence to be the president and then Danny Duran had a transformative effect on the college, but also on all these kids that came in there. But just think about this, the unique element of it. And I didn't even know how difficult it was 
the, the fight that honestly uh, that President Smith had with the Assemblies of God to essentially start a program because most people didn't believe uh, that there was a need for it. It was something that was there was not a need for it. You know, it was uh, extracurricular activity that wasn't needed. And then the selection of Denny Duran, you know, was critical too. I mean, both those things, you know, just showed the hand of God on what was going to take place. Because think about it, football had never been played, you know, had never been attempted before at this school. There was that hurdle that had to be overcome. And then Coach Duran came in, he took it one step further and said, I'm going to create a football team that's also going to be a ministry tool. Yeah. yeah. That had never, ever been done. And I don't think it's ever been done since that time. The focal point of the team was to be a ministry tool and the, the, the kids were going to, the young men were going to grow in ministry because they were going to do that for their time there, right? But also going to have an impact on the campus as well as every place that they went. And it, that was an unbelievably unique and just simply the hand of God. That's such a good point, Ed. And I think, it, though, it also supports the very foundation and ethos of what Evangel is all about, is that we are all called. There's no calling yeah. that's better than yeah. another one. So you can absolutely use football or whatever sport it is to reach souls. It doesn't just have to happen from the pulpit on Sundays. I love that you made that connection. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess, you know, from my perspective in, in terms of, um, you know, coming to school there was, it wasn't the first choice. You know, there were some other schools I was looking at, you know, at that time, Missouri State was called Southwest Missouri State. Missouri Southern was another school that I was I was looking at. But what really attracted me was the fact that you had this young group of coaches, many of them had played professional football, and they're they were sharing with us in the recruiting process, like Mike Bardick is was instrumental in me coming to school there. I remember going to his apartment and having dinner there and meeting his wife Kimby, and then just sharing with me the cool things that I never even thought about as it relates to his Christian walk. He'd come, him and some other people had gone on like this several hundred mile bike ride sharing the gospel with people in these communities. And I thought that was totally unlike anything I'd ever experienced as a, as a, as a young man. I mean, I hadn't grown up in a Christian home either. So there was that element of it that just really uh, appealed to me. And I recognize now it was the drawing. It was the leading of the Holy Spirit, right? That was drawing me to Evangel University. It was using the circumstances there to create an atmosphere that really appealed to me as a young person. And so that was really the, the determining factor in coach meeting Coach Durham and all these other guys, it was just like single most other than accepting Jesus, the single best. Well, I take a step back. <laughs> the third best, third best decision. The first decision was that was accepting Jesus. The second one, I met my wife there. We love you, the Pam. Be, <laughs> yes, Pam. I can't leave her out. So it was the third best decision. Yeah, that's that's so true. Um, you know, I. I think as I've, I've listened to both John and Ed, what comes to mind for me, um, Hector, is that um, I, I met Coach Duran for the first time. I, I, I was somewhere around 10 or 11 years of age when I met him. And as I shared before, um, he, and the, he had a group that he traveled with called Vessels. And um, he, of course, was just finishing college at the time and um, they were a ministry group that came through back in the day when, you know, that was that was very much a, a part of what was happening in the church world. And I, I saw this guy that was really, uh, to my understanding, kind of an all-American quarterback who loved God uh, as much or more than he did the game of football. And I um, that he just became a hero in, in a sense 
for a, you know, for a 10 or 11 year old kid. And then the fact was he was willing to shake my hand. He was willing to look at me in the eye, have a conversation, you know, with a kid and, um, and then get up on Sunday morning and, and do incredible ministry in terms of, of preaching and singing and, and what they were doing uh, really across the land. And so uh, I think for me, that was really kind of my first connection. And then the cool thing was, is that was back in the day when they were not housed in a hotel, they were housed in homes and they stayed in our home and, and really got that moment of, of connection, if you will. And so <clears throat> subsequently out of that, I had planned on, um, you know, wanting, I, I wanted to play football in, in college, but at the time, um, our, our pastor's son, Reggie Brock, was being uh, recruited by Denny to come to Evangel. And because of Reggie coming, playing at Evangel, uh, I, I just felt like, you know, that was a, a path that I wanted to take. Uh, Denny invited me to come on a recruiting trip. I came and uh, he just said, man, I want you to walk on. I want you to play here. And, and really, that was kind of the, the context of my life. I planned on going to uh, Georgia Tech, going into their engineering program and walking on there and playing at Georgia Tech. And God just shut the door and completely threw open the door to Evangel. And because of that, uh, like Ed said, you know, three of the greatest things that happened in my life besides uh, Jesus Christ and one of those being my wife. Uh, being the second most important thing that I met. And so, um, you know, for me, I think um, I look back on um, growing up in the Assemblies of God, being born and raised in it. I look back at the legacy that God has allowed me to be a part of and to grow up in. And both Dr. Spence and Denny were key, key contributors to that. And I'm deeply grateful to this day for it. I love that. And, and I love the way you guys are representing the, the, the first seven years of the program, hundreds of guys who have similar, similar story. Um, Phil's going to tell us a little bit more about the Hall of Fame banquet here in a minute. But before we do that, I want to hear what was your first impression of President Spence when you got to campus and, and met him? What was your what was your first impression? And I'll let you jump off the cliff first. <laughs> well, the, the word I would use would it would be uh, gravitas. There was a presence and a depth to him that was immediate. You know, um, you're, you're standing in the presence and meeting someone that has a level of importance and uh, didn't have to say a word about it. You know, maybe it's because every day I saw him wearing a three piece suit. You know, I love the skit that they had when they talked about his retirement. They had in the, in the chapel and the next day um, having breakfast with the. Uh, uh, with Mrs. Spence and he had his bathrobe on and then she forced him to take it off because he'd gotten up that morning and put his three-piece suit on but like he was going to work even though he's retired but um, there was a presence to him you know and the way he carried himself the way he spoke uh, and uh, the other thing I would suggest is um, when you think about President Spence especially when you think about you know as if you want to grow as a leader you want to emulate people that are several several levels ahead of you that challenge your way of thinking about everything. He was one of those guys. I had never met anybody like him before. I hardly even knew anybody that, that wore a suit, right? So for someone that was well-spoken, well-educated and uh, had that presence, it was something he wanted to emulate. 
Yeah, I would agree with that as well. I think the word that comes to mind for me is is strength and anointing. Um, I always felt like when I heard him speak that he had been in the presence of God and -hmm. because of being in the presence of God seemed to always have um, the right thing to say. The, the thing that challenged you, the thing that uh, maybe even convicted you. And um, I always appreciated the fact that there was just a, there was a stability and a strength about him that every time you saw him, you never had to wonder where he stood on anything in life. And um, honestly, I, to me, there's a real security in that. That's so good. John, I want to, not the same question, what your first impression was of your dad, uh, but how, what was it like watching him interact with all these college students and then seeing him come home and, and, and interact as, as a dad? I mean, you had a unique perspective on this, this, this person who um, so powerfully impacted so many lives. Um, what, what was that experience like watching that happen? You know, what, what uh, Ed and Rich have shared, um, he, my, my father <clears throat> understood the importance of, of talent and the importance of not just having raw talent, but recognizing that what you bring to the table, it's your responsibility to develop that. And he was, uh, he and my mom were they were not just athletic fans. They were fans of all the students. They showed up for everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, recitals, plays, concerts, um, every sporting event, uh, guys and girls athletics, they were there. And um, they just believed in it. And they loved to see students doing their best with their talent. And, you know, when you're a performer, and, and I include, you know, certainly athletes um, and and musicians, when you're a performer, you put it on the line. Yeah. You know, you put, you put, I'm putting this out there for everybody to see, uh, sink or swim. And that takes a lot of courage. And when young people recognize that the, the uh, and I was listening to a guy say this the other day, that they put 90% of everything they have into something for 10% of performance. And, uh, and he just believed in helping people connect the dots with doing your very best at, at whatever's at your hand. And so with football, football became, you know, that obviously that was an idea that he had and he believed in it so strongly and, and had, because it was a huge risk for him to do that. And obviously in those first few years, man, it was, it was tough going. Um, And these guys can attest to it because I was on the sideline watching as we played teams that we had no business suiting up against because we weren't in the hack, you know, we're in the conference. And um, you know, we had our shares of getting beat by Northeast Oklahoma. And, you know, the, the one year, I think Ed, this is your third year that we played uh, Nebraska Omaha that doesn't have a program anymore, but they, were uh <laughs> they took it to us it was hard yeah but, you know but the, we, did, we did beat missouri state that one year though yes yes yeah i've got a picture to prove it you know so <laughs> you know those were there we we had our ups and downs but the thing is what people learn you know he believed in watching that what people learned 
from this and how they how they recognized their opportunity and and made the most of it. And he was always so proud of of the opportunity to reconnect when when guys graduated and came back and hear their stories. Um, you know, for me as a student on campus, you know, I I just I kind of slid right into living with with football players. So like a guy across the hall my freshman year was All-American Kenny Hendricks. And then the next year was was offensive guard Mark Jenkins, who's one of our theology professors. And those guys would tell me they're like, because because we didn't have the proc system. We just you could just walk in and out of the dorm. So my dad, when he couldn't reach me because I didn't have a phone, we didn't have cell phones. He'd just come over to Crowd Second North or Lewis Third South to see me. <laughs> unannounced. Unannounced. Okay. So, you know, I'm they finally day scored him. My buddy said, listen, you got to tell your dad to stop doing that. You know, <laughs> I, I didn't think I didn't think anything of it because he was my dad, but to them, you know, like like what Ed and Richard said, you know, he was the president. And yeah. you know, for for them to walk out in the hallway in just their boxer shorts, that wasn't gonna cut it. I didn't care. <laughs> you but, gotta give me a heads up, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just had to tell him, I was like, look, dad, I'm losing friends. You need to let me know. <laughs> you know? That's great. That's great. We got a few other questions. Phil, first, tell us a little bit about the Hall of Fame banquet. Yeah, so tickets for the 2021 Hall of Fame banquet, they're on sale right now, evangelathletics.com slash tickets. Um, it'll be Friday, October 1st, 6 o'clock inside the Evangel Dining Hall. Um, we'll induct all of our inductees and um, ha have our banquet and then uh, recognize again on Saturday, October 2nd um, at the football game in Nixa, Missouri at Nixa High School, um, where we'll play football this year. So um, look forward to everyone. If you haven't got tickets, um, we've seen ticket uh, purchases start to roll in. Uh, evangelathletics.com and you can uh, buy your tickets there. Awesome. Thanks. It's going to be a great event. So what impact has Evangel and playing football at Evangel had on your lives? Ed, let's start with you. I mean, we really don't have time to go into it, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm, I'm just being very honest. Uh, you know, the word I often use when people have asked me that question, it was just transformative. You know, when I look at, um, you know, a young man who was the first person in his family to go to college and uh, the opportunities that had opened up for me, um, you know, just I met my wife. I met, you know, lifelong friends. I mean, um, friends I've had for 40 something years. I, it's just I can't put a price tag on it, you know, and then the, uh, I guess the experience, uh, that you have just with the interaction of people, you think about Evangel, the thing I loved about Evangel versus some other universities was the fact that there were literally people there from all over the world. I mean, all over the United States, you get to interact with people that, you know, look and think and act differently than you do, but you have this common bond that, you know, uh, of Jesus and just new ideas. Um, I think about the the professors that were there that had a profound impact on my life, even though I was a horrible student. I mean, they cared for me. Uh, and I just remember how they um, wanted to invest in you and, and serve you. And uh, I think about people like Dr. Holsinger, you know, uh, I have a love of history and that was, you know, I remember him, you know, making those classes come alive. So there was just so many things I would suggest that, um, impacted my life that I could go on and on about, you know, uh, but it just really did those four years that I had that were just transformed. It really were. Awesome. Yeah. 
You know, I think for me, uh, as I hear Ed say that, I absolutely agree. For me, what Evangel did was really put, um, well, a couple of things. Number one, neither of my parents ever had an opportunity to go to college. And so they so wanted for me the opportunity to go and to not only gain a degree, but really do it in the atmosphere of a Pentecostal experience. And, and that's exactly what Evangel gave us, is it really gave us the opportunity to get that education, do it in a Pentecostal environment. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to this day for it, um, that, you know, I can call uh, two dozen men and, and ask them to pray right now. I don't have to question whether or not, um, you know, whether or not they're going to um, stand with me in prayer. Yeah. And, you know, one individual that attends a secular university can very often say that. So, you know, I, I think for me, it really has been um, a, a blessing and a dream for me just to be able to have that Pentecostal experience uh, through college and to be able to stand with brothers in Christ like I had the opportunity to do and know that the relationship I had in in the early, late 70s is still alive today. And to me, that's really what the body of Christ is all about. That's awesome. John? Yeah, I would just say that, you know, as I you know talked to these two guys, um, they were my friends when I was in junior high and high school. Uh, that never would have happened had it not been for the opportunity to be a part of the program. And um, I'm, I'm really proud to, to say that, that I uh, was a part of it as, as a ball boy, as a player, as a coach, because, um, you know, the, it was stated earlier in, in uh, and I can't remember whether it was, you know, Ed or Rich who said this, but the, the program was built on the concept of, of it being, you know, Christ-centered. And, you know, the, the word of God says, when Christ said, abide in me, that's, the, that's it. You know, when we get our eyes off of the other things of trying to be this or that, but if we just keep it simple like that, then, then everything, everything falls in the rhythm. And, you know, I think about all the friends that I have and, and the impactful people. Ed mentioned Dr. Holsinger. He was my advisor and his picture hangs in my office. And I dreamed, I would tell my mother, I was like, if I could just tell stories half as good as Dr. Holsinger. Mm. Yeah, he was great. And, um, yeah. you know, what a privilege. It was a privilege for me to be me, you know? I mean, I just, I lived a totally charmed life, you know? Um, I couldn't wait for every Saturday to when I was, you know, in junior high and early high school to, to be there and to connect because those, the guys on that team, everybody was walking toward Christ in one yeah. way or another. And some right. guys didn't realize they were walking toward Christ until after they graduated, you know, <laughs> but, but I would tell you that it was so impactful to me to know that I was in a safe environment with some, with some young men that had an opportunity to mentor me and they didn't even know it. That's cool. I love that. Well, oh. so everybody's uh, definitely got a favorite President Spence story. So um, I, I think this is the point of the podcast that, that we've all, what, 
you know, excited to hear about. So, and I but, want you guys to name names. The statute of limitations. <laughs> the statute of limitations has run out. Name names. <laughs> I mean, which story do we want us to tell? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different ones. I yeah. mean, I. Um, I mean, I think I'll tell one on myself, you know, you know what I learned from President Spence. So um, I guess it was my sophomore year. I was living at Scott Second North and you know how I look back at it now. It seems so like comical. And, and so like, why would I get upset about this? But a guy there was a guy that we would walk by that lived on the third floor that was throwing milk on us periodically. You know, you know, and so that so offended us, like, okay, we have to fix this. I mean, I'm not putting up this anymore. Like, this is such a great offense, you know, right? Um, so we we had gotten in trouble, several players like myself and Howard Thorpe. And I remember there was like three or four for cutting too many classes. So we had dawn patrol. We had to be on the field and run around the track at 6 a.m. the next morning. So in our wisdom, you know, sophomore wisdom, we said, well, we'll just stay up all night long which, right, makes sense. Uh, why go to bed? You have to be on the football field at six. So there was all kind of crazy stuff that was going on that time won't uh, allow. But so we decide, okay, we're going to fix this guy's wagon. Now's the time. We essentially, you know, knock this door. I think we broke the lock or something. Go in there and drag this guy out into the hallway only to realize when we got him out in the hallway when the lights were on that it was the wrong room and the wrong guy. <laughs> It was the next door. So we went next door and grabbed the guy and then took him outside right in front of Scott, right where the light was. And this is in the dead of winter now in Springfield. It's cold. And left him out there in his underwear and T-shirt and took masking tape, electrical tape or something and tied his hands behind him. And then we did everything, you know, horrible to him, mayonnaise, ketchup, everything that was in leftover stuff that was rotten in people's refrigerators. We poured on him atomic bomb. You can imagine what all the stuff that we did to him. And we left him there screaming, you know, help. help. <laughs> I hope, I hope he's not listening to the podcast. <laughs> forgive me. I don't even know your name, but please forgive me. I know God has already forgiven me. I hope you do too. So, um, so then the next day, you know, um, we get called in before president Spence, you know, word travels quickly on the campus and called into his office. And the thing that I remember most about, again, the presence and look, him looking me out, and I could tell he was very, very upset. He was angry, you know, because I, I think with the football team, he viewed us as kind of family and he expected more, and which is what he essentially said to us, you know. So he, I realized at the time how stupid I was that we could have gotten kicked out. I could have gotten kicked out over that. But I remember looking me in the eye, and this is when I realized later on how good God's grace is, that he just looked me in the eye, and all he said was, Ed, I'm very disappointed in you. And he just looked at me and was like, oh, my gosh, you know, this guy that you have this tremendous respect for. I mean, the only, one of the few people that I would never miss chapel. Right. If he was speaking, this guy that had this presence that you looked at his life and you say, I want to be like him. And he said, I'm very, very disappointed with you. I'm not going to discipline you. I'm going to let the coaches take care of it. And I thought, wow, I couldn't believe it. You know, and again, it was just an example of God's grace that he would allow uh, somebody else to deal and not give us the discipline that we deserved. So but him saying yeah. that, though, probably was was enough to get the point across, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. A absolutely. It was. I mean, it, it hurt me. It cut me to the quick. Yeah. You know that this guy that I'd emulated and looked at his life, you know, again, 
a leader that was so far ahead of me at that time, I recognize now, and I had disappointed him. Yeah. So, yeah, it was impactful. Rich, what's your favorite President Spence story? Well, and I, and I, I think the fear of what Ed is, is saying is, is that, um, and I always felt this way, and it probably was a, a personal feeling, but I think I, I heard a lot of guys say it, um, if not while we were there years later. But I always felt like that both President Spence and Coach Duran uh, walked with God so closely that they could walk by you uh, in the dorms or on the field and just read your mail, and you were just nothing but ash uh, just <laughs> laying there on the field you know, that God would strike you where you stand. And, uh, and so I, I kind of always lived in with a little bit of that fear and intrepidation uh, that, that that was going to happen. Now, the one that, that probably I need to mention that so many people have asked about through the years, specifically uh, dealing with Dr. Spence, was um, we had a couple of individuals off of the team that decided that it would be a great uh, life-changing experience. You've got to name names. Don't. That's right. Don't oh, come come on, okay. give it to us. We want All the right. whole story. So there's a there's a gentleman by the name of Bob Anderson that was one of the leading uh, individuals uh, in uh, leading a group of people to turn around the chairs in the chapel the night before graduation. And you have to understand the undertaking that went and making this happen because, again, this was back in the old chapel. All these chairs were literally screwed together, linked together. And so you're talking about picking up entire rows of chairs, twisting them, doing it during under darkness, of course, where nobody would see what they were doing. And then ultimately the discovery the next day that as administration walked in to prepare for graduation, they now have hundreds of chairs that are faced in the wrong direction. And so uh, while I was not a part of that group, uh, <laughs> that did physical act, um, I know that uh, there was a real strain, needless to say on Dr. Spence and uh, how to address that with both Bob and uh, a number of other teammates, as well as, now, what do we do uh, to make sure that we can pull off uh, graduation for that year? So that's probably the, the most famous story dealing specifically with evangelism. I sense the I sense the fear of, of President Spence and Denny Duran still lives strong in you. <laughs> oh, man, a lot. I got chills just even telling the story all over again. And what's funny is Bob is a pastor now, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, Hector, is that I think a lot of the people that were involved in that event were are now pastors. I, I, maybe there's an underlying <laughs> message there. I don't know. You know. Yeah. But, there's uh, a sermon in there somewhere. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Well, I will say hey, this. Go ahead. Ed. Go ahead, John. Well, I, I'll say this. I, you know, I, as that unfolded, obviously it was a legendary moment, and uh, the building where the chapel was uh, does no longer exist. It's a parking lot now, but um, it, the, the, the guys who were involved, uh, though my father was the one they were, they feared. Uh, and when it came out, uh, chief Tomlinson, the head of security, I mean, he wanted to form a dragnet and get after it. And, and in my dad's wisdom, he said, no, we're not going to do anything because something this great 
will not go unsaid. And by that <laughs> afternoon, it was out, and those guys who were involved, you know, were were in his presence. But <laughs> what saved them, the best part of it, what saved them was my mother, um, because uh, my dad called home and told my mother, and she could not stop laughing. And that, you know, laughter, when it comes to emotional intelligence, laughter is the one thing that can diffuse any kind of tension if it's done at <laughs> the right time in the right way. And so all those guys and many of them showed up for dad's uh, memorial, uh, thanked my mother because she saved their careers, <laughs> their college <laughs> careers. So And their rears. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, she said one time years later um, when I ran into her at an event, and she told me, she said, it's still to this day the greatest prank ever. Yeah. At yeah. 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 That's so great. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, last question, and John, it's for you. Knowing what sports and what the football program meant to your dad, to President Spence, what would this induction into the Hall of Fame mean to him? You know, dad, dad was a, a you know, he's a person of humility. He always, uh, things, when things happen from awards that he received, he was always so grateful. Um, but, you know, his, it, it wasn't so much the, you know, this, this would be a great honor to him. Um, anytime people thought that he did something worthy of, of attention, he was, you know, it wasn't for the attention. Um, he, and he taught me that. And I go back to what I said earlier. Um, he understood that when he got up every day, he had a system. He got up and the first thing he did, he began with his, his time with the Lord. And then um, his, his administrative assistant would hand him a three by five card that would tell him what was going to be on his chart for the day. And, and he, wherever he was, he was all there. And uh, he wanted to model that, you know, Ed and Rich both have just shared Man, you know, dad wasn't somebody who, you know, there's some people who, who they loved the idea of being feared. That was never in his mind. Um, he, it, being endeared really is the most important thing. But, you know, he was a statesman and uh, he believed in, you know, act like you have dignity. And for a man who was raised in poverty, um, that was the that was the one thing that his his parents taught him is that you know you may not have much money but you but you bring something to the table and he learned as a child man he showed up for school every day never missed a day of school uh, throughout his all his primary years kindergarten through twelfth grade and his his mother said if any child in that classroom can make an A you can make an A and so he just learned how to put his shoulder to the plow. Yeah. And he knew, you know, with athletes um, and, you know, football was his favorite sport. It always was. I mean, you know, even in times when he and I weren't seeing eye to eye, you know, football was our common ground. And um, but one of the things that that really made a difference, just just really rang up. And, and this award for him, what it means really is I can think is he. He just sees the sea of individuals who came to Evangel because the scholarship helped them get a, a, an education. Yeah. You know, and that, yeah. and that's that's the most powerful thing. Yeah. Um, 
and and that's why I think you know he would be it'd be exciting to see how he would respond. That's awesome. Well, I mean, like I said at the beginning, I don't. You could do a whole season of podcasts and still not do justice the impact that he's made on so many. So, I just appreciate you guys spending a few minutes with us, sharing your perspective on this this one aspect of his career and his impact. Um, before we go, do you have, we've asked you all the questions and for all the reflections, what questions do you have for Phil and I? I would just say, I don't, not really a question, but a statement. I'm just so thankful that we're honoring, uh, President Spence. It's well-deserved. I mean, I, on behalf of all the originals, I mean, we would point to him and say, thank, thank you, President Spence for having the wisdom to start a football program and the impact that it had. And the, the coolest thing I would say in, in that is to say, it's not an impact just in our lives, it's a generational impact. Lives, families were changed forever because kids like us got a scholarship and got a chance to go to Evangel. That's awesome. That's powerful. That's good. Yeah, I, I, I will said, Ed, uh, you know, so grateful that, um, you know, even my, my oldest son, um, spent a year at Evangel, you know, as a football player and Sherry and I are so grateful for the one year that he spent there. So, you know, it, uh, again, the legacy of what, what Dr. Spence started uh, is a, is a generational legacy. And I think that's such a powerful statement when you stop and look at it. That's awesome. Well, I just appreciate you guys taking the time to have this conversation. Thank you for joining us. And uh, to our listeners, thank you so much for listening to Your Calling, our podcast. And we're so excited to, uh, to honor President Spence at our Hall of Fame banquet. Until next time, I'm Hector Cruz. Not until Dowden, don't forget to share the good news. And be the good news. God bless. Mm-hmm.